We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the August 28, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz podcast, brought to you by the FFPC. Fantasy Football Report is also brought to you by MyBookie, the official sports book of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Anthony Amico. You can follow me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host, as always, is Heath Kruger, who you can follow at Heath K. Heath, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm just really hoping that while we're recording this podcast, you know, another one of our the fantasy prospects as it go down with another catastrophic injury. It's hoping to make it through the rest of the day without having to adjust something else, whether it be on our draft boards, projections, anything, because it's just been you know one after the other seemingly lately. Yeah, I'm at a point where I'm just hoping to make it through the show healthy. I think if we can do that, <laughs> you know, that that's the that's the bar right now. Uh, there's definitely been a lot happening. Joining us today on the show to help us break it all down is JJ Zacharyson. He's the editor in chief at Number Fire host of the Late Round podcast and a co-host of Living the Stream. You can find him on Twitter at Late Round QB. JJ, always good to talk to you, man. How is everything? It's good. It's good. I'm sure that I'm having a much better day than Spencer Ware and Cam Meredith are. Uh, there is absolutely no doubting that. Let's get right into the news, and we'll start with that Spencer Ware injury. Suffered what was initially thought to be maybe some meniscus damage. We thought that Ware would 
be seen at some point this season, but it turns out that he tore his PCL in Friday's preseason game. He's expected to miss the season. Chiefs coach Andy Reid has already come out and said that Kareem Hunt will be the featured back for the Chiefs in Ware's absence. Uh, JJ, just very bluntly, what does this do for Hunt's value, and where are you drafting him now? Yeah, look, I mean, I was I was pretty high on Hunt uh, going into the season just because I think that he's a very, very strong prospect. Uh, and Spencer Ware over his career has been a committee back aside from last season. So it wouldn't sh- it shouldn't have shocked anyone if, if Kareem Hunt started to take more and more of a share in that backfield as the season went on. From my perspective, though, I think really I think that you can make the case that Kareem Hunt from a, at least this season's perspective is the best rookie running back in fantasy football. And the reason for that, you know, you obviously you have a conservative offense and Kansas City, uh, you know, he should see a very, very strong market share, especially if you believe the Andy Reid narratives that are out there. Again, I said I already mentioned that he was a good college prospect. He he's carried the load. His final season at Toledo last year had 262 attempts. He caught 41 passes out of the backfield. He's a three down back. Uh, and if you look at his competition, that's really the big thing here. Uh, because in fantasy football, we know that the running back position, you know, talent work or talent's a good thing for sure. Um, but you don't need to be the most talented back in the world to be the most relevant fantasy, uh, running back. And if you look at guys like Leonard Fournette, who's dealing with a foot injury, might not have as much touchdown upside as we might have thought just because of how bad, how bad Blake Bortles has been in that quarterback situation. Christian McCaffrey might have his touchdown upside cap because Jay Stu's there and Cam Newton's in the red zone as well. Uh, Joe Mixon is sharing a backfield right now with Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. I think there's a very, and Dalvin Cook is the other guy, the obvious guy who would be uh, the biggest competition for Kareem Hunt. But in my opinion, you can make the case that Latavius Murray being a potential goal line guy is going to take away from him a bit. Uh, and the offensive line's a mess there too. I love Dalvin Cook, but, but I think that you can make a very strong argument that now because of this injury, Kareem Hunt should be the top rookie back. And, and as a result of that, he should be an early third round pick. Yeah, and I wouldn't hesitate to say you can even go as high as maybe even a Leonard Fournette. I mean, really, we're looking at a very similar situation where I think Kareem Hunt might even be in a better spot where I'd consider the Chiefs offense a little more competent at this point from what we've seen from Jacksonville. And Leonard Fournette is just a guy who's, at least from what we've seen in college, just going to be an early down guy with, you know, kind of some some passing upside kind of sprinkled in here and there. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you have to go crazy with it. But he's definitely going to be one of the situations, you know, kind of class half full, losing Spencer Ware. Um, a guy that you can really take advantage of, especially in home leagues, um, auction draft type formats where guys, people aren't sure how to exactly adjust to this news because it's going to be a huge influx of volume. You have a guy who can be a three down back and while sure Kendrick West might take some work here and there and it, it's really, it's him and CJ Spiller. I don't, I don't think they're really that competitive relative to what we've seen so far from Kareem Hunt. So yeah, it's kind of like that in mid-third round, maybe even early third round if you have to go, if you really want to get a hold of them. I think that's just fine. Yeah, I mean, from a height, weight, speed standpoint, I wasn't crazy excited about Hunt, but like you guys mentioned, we do know that he can carry the load, and that's obviously the most important thing that we want from our fantasy running backs. We want to be able to accumulate lots of touches. So I was just tweeting this out before the show. Hunt is my RB12 right now in my updated rankings for all the reasons you guys said, I mean, this is a fantasy-friendly environment. This is a situation where we know he can acquire a lot of work. And the coaches, obviously, are already, you know, at least if we take them take them at their word, uh, it seems that they're going to use Hunt heavily right away. So I think if we think about just how a few situations like that really exist in fantasy, it, it, it uh, you know, requires him being ranked highly and, and drafted highly. 
Let me ask you guys this before we move on. Um, Kareem Hunt, right now, we've heard the rumors in, in preseason that he may lose time due to an you know inability to pass protect. Do you guys think that kind of has any bearing um, maybe early in the season to where um, Sharkandrick West and Spiller may see the field over him, or do you think that's kind of overblown at this point? I'm I'm a I'm a pretty firm believer that pass protection is an overblown thing that especially fantasy analysts look at mostly because if you look at like like I believe that that running backs can and can't pass protect or or are better or worse at doing so but I think it's similar to how we view like wide receiver drops in that uh the the delta between the the top guy in drops and maybe an average guy in drops really doesn't make a big difference as to what happens on the actual field. So the real difference between a guy who's good at pass protection and not good at pass protection, if the guy's good at playing running back, that should matter way way more. I mean, look at Matt Forte throughout his entire career. Matt Forte is someone who people have always ragged on about his pass protection, but he's a great pass catching back. He's out there on the field all the time or he was before he became a geriatric. Um I I think just overall uh, it's a little bit overblown, and I think that they're kind of in a situation where what else are they going to do? Yeah, and I think as a corollary to that point, the guys who are really talented pass catchers aren't really sitting in and blocking anyway. So it's kind of a moot point. Like, who cares if Kareem Hunt yeah. can pass block or not? We know that he's really effective catching the football, and that's probably what he'll be doing. All right, let's move on to the next news item of the day. Another injury, Julian Edelman tore his ACL Friday night. He will miss the entire 2017 season. This opens up a, a huge position and a huge volume sink in one of the you know best offenses in, in the entire NFL. JJ, what effect does this have on, on Tom Brady specifically and the rest of the Patriots offense? Who do you think benefits most from this injury? I have a pretty lame answer for this, mostly because, you know, generally speaking, when it, when an injury like this happens, a wide receiver, and this is why, you know, something like zero RB is just so much more impactful from a fantasy perspective, because one guy can then take on such so much of a more of a workload like we're seeing with Kareem Hunt. But in this case, I'm not sure there's someone who automatically just steps into the slot. I'm not necessarily buying into the the Chris Hogan moving from the outside playing more of the slot like he did in Buffalo. I know that he can hypothetically, but I think that if you look at what they have personnel-wise, uh, I think what we're going to see from them is to continue to see a lot of two wide receiver sets like we saw last year. You have Cooks and, and, and Hogan on the outside, run a lot of two tight end. Um, and then at the same time, they can run a lot of their, their running backs out of the backfield, like a James White, Deion Lewis, Rex Burkhead. They have a lot of good pass-catching backs now, um, You know, even, even more so than they had last season. Uh, I think they're just going to utilize them a little bit more and change the offense up slightly. I wouldn't really change the way that I view... Tom Brady from a fan, not that I've drafted Tom Brady since I, I don't, I don't do that thing, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't really change the way that I'm viewing Brady in general from a fantasy perspective. Uh, I think it might hurt the Patriots in general from a real football perspective. Um, but overall, you know, the, the targets will be dispersed a little bit, maybe bump up Brandon cooks a bit, but where are you going to bump him up to? I think that maybe you could put him at the end of that, that Des Baldwin, Amari Cooper tier, um, but I don't think that there's one singular guy. Maybe Danny Amendola becomes a little bit more relevant, but I think that overall, all of those targets and that market share is going to be dispersed, and I'm not sure that I see a clear-cut winner out of the injury. Yeah, I would say that the injury maybe just makes me feel a little bit better. Like, I, I'm not sure that, like, I'm not sure that Edelman, uh, sorry, I, I phrased that terribly. Like, Edelman getting hurt makes me feel terrible. I mean, I feel bad for Julian Edelman. Sure. But, like, in terms of the other Patriots receivers, when you go to draft a Brandon Cooks, when you go to draft a Chris Hogan or a Gronk, there's like this little part in the back of your head that's like, well, they have so many guys. Like, I'm not 100% sure that they're going to get the volume that I want or that I expect. So Edelman going down kind of makes you feel a little bit reassured 
in those target projections, whatever you had, you know, maybe you had 110 targets for Cooks and 115 for Gronk, you know, whatever it may be, you probably just feel a little bit more secure in those projections. But like JJ was saying, I'm not really sure that I'm looking to markedly increase anybody and, and those targets being spread out between guys like Hogan and Amendola and Mitchell and probably even someone like Blaine Allen. Uh, and let's not forget the running backs. Uh, I just think that it's probably not much of an impact overall. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way. Um, as far as the Dwayne Allen thing, I'm not, I think that might be more of kind of a surprise than really anything else because Dwayne Allen has yet to see a target this preseason. And there's even rumors that he may be cut by the end of training camp, which I, I think would be very interesting because that opens up the door for a possible complete no-name guy that we really don't know all that much about to you know, possibly see a lot of starting snaps. Um, as they, you know, as JJ mentioned, they run a lot of two wide receiver sets, not a lot of three wide receiver sets. Um, I guess Cooks, yeah, kind of like what JJ alluded to, it's Cooks is probably the obvious name, but there's so many questions I think remain unanswered. You know, this is mm-hmm. not a guy who was used in the slot really much at all. Well, I shouldn't say that. He was used a little bit, but that was not his primary role in New Orleans. Um, is he going to take over this primary role to where he just now becomes like a high volume guy? I, I doubt it. That Chris Hogan is, you know, his that was definitely not his role last year, and all of a sudden they're going to change his responsibilities. It, it's I, I have a feeling it's just we're going to see a lot more James White, Rex Burkhead, and Deion Lewis if he is healthy out of this. Yeah, I think the the other thing too is the fact that Cooks and Hogan can hypothetically play the slot. I think we're just going to see a lot of guys moving around at the line of scrimmage and, and the Patriots just be the confusing offense that they are to opposing defenses. All great stuff. Before we get into no shit, shit, no, I just want to remind everyone you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium content. And it supports the show. Hey, Rotoviz fans. I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends at the FFPC, who are celebrating their 10th year as the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. If you love the best ball format, the FFPC has you covered. The popular FFPC Draft Experts Leagues start at just a $35 entry fee and go up to $1,250 for the high rollers. Drafts are filling fast, so you won't have to wait long for your league to fill. As if that's not enough, the FFPC has introduced a brand new concept to season long. Double up best ball leagues with 100% payout. Yep, you heard that right. 100% payout. Simply draft in a $35 or $250 entry FFPC Draft Experts League. Finish in the top half of the league at the end of the season. That's the top six teams. And you will double your entry fee for next year. Double up leagues are the best deal in fantasy. So get on them and start drafting. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com. Join your fellow fantasy players today at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Now let's get into no shit, shit no. First item this week, Brock Osweiler. ESPN's Pat McManaman reports that the Browns have renewed efforts to trade Brock Osweiler. That's a that's a that's a no shit for me. But who the hell wants Brock Osweiler? Alan Hearns, the Florida Times Union's Ryan O'Halloran guesses the Jaguars are shopping Alan Hearns on the trade block. 
Look, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for Jacksonville to do something like that. They've got a lot of strong receivers in on that team. Uh, but I think that the, the one side of this that I, I don't think that they can get a trade done is that he's making the 12th most money per year at the position because of the contract he signed last year. So, yeah, I believe that they're probably trying. I don't think that they're going to be able to get anything done, though. Donnell Pumphrey. Philly Voices Jimmy Kemsky expects rookie Donnell Pumphrey to be inactive at the start of the season if he even makes the 53-man roster. It's almost like it's a surprise that a five foot eight, one hundred and seventy six pound running back with a fifteenth percentile speed score is going to be cut. I mean, like, like I, I, I think that this is a, a no shit. Um, you know, the the fact that that he could be cut. There's a lot of backs in that backfield. I know that he had a prolific college college profile from a production standpoint. He's looked really, really bad. He's not a, you know, I, I, I've taken random dart throws and such in drafts, uh, in, in dynasty drafts, uh, on him, but overall, it's not a surprise if they were to, to cut him. Charles Sims, the Tampa Bay's Times, Greg Allman expects Charles Sims to operate as the Bucks passing game and third down back this season. I think that's a no shit as well. I mean, if you look at Jeremy McNichols, who I think a lot of folks, including myself, you know, we were all pretty high on him from a, just a, a, a college prospect standpoint. He's struggling a lot to learn that offense there. Uh, and even last year when Jaquiz Rogers was seeing a lot of work, he hit no more than two targets or sorry, he did once, uh, hit, hit more than two targets in a single game. Charles Sims is a pass catching back. We know that's, that's kind of what he profiles to be at the NFL level. So I don't think this is any, any sort of surprise. LaShawn McCoy, according to Mike Florio, of Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports, the Bills are not entertaining offers for LaShawn McCoy. I'm going to say shit no here. Uh, I, I, I think that they might not fully be listening to offers because they're a dumb organization, uh, but if they could get him and his cost off the books, this is the exact time to do it. So I don't fully believe in the fact that they wouldn't take a, a good offer if it, if it came their way. McGarrett Blunt. Eagles coach Doug Peterson said the Garrett Blunt will, quote, be a big part of our offense. If they're talking about weight, then sure. But I'm going to say <laughs> shit no for this. Uh, you know, Blunt averaged 3.3 yards per carry when trailing last season. And we know that he's only really been successful, especially from a fantasy perspective, while in New England throughout his career. He'll get goal line touches, but he's a really ineffective back on a team whose quarterback, you know, I know that he's getting a lot of hype, but we don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be good or not. We don't know that yet. Uh, and that offense is gonna gonna ride or die with that. I just think there's a lot of risk with it with, with him in general. And again, like I said with 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 Pumphrey, there's a lot of just just jags in that backfield, and he's one of them. Buck Allen, the Baltimore Suns' Jeff Zerbiak, believes that Buck Allen has been the Ravens' most effective back. Thank God. I'm saying no shit for this. I'm all about the Buck Allen life. He's a far better athlete than Terrence West is. West was atrocious last year, according to any metric that you really look at, including uh, the metrics that we work at at number, look at at number fire. Uh, I don't think West has that job completely locked up like his ADP suggests. Uh, and I think, I think Buck Allen's a perfect zero RB running back to target right now, especially because he can catch passes out of the backfield and Danny Woodhead's nursing that hammy. Marlon Mack. Colts coach Chuck Pagano compared rookie Marlon Mack to Jamal Charles. Look, I mean, like, I, I don't mind Marlon Mack as a prospect. He, you know, I, I thought he was going to be more of a scat back at the NFL level, but he's looked a little bit better on early downs in the preseason. We know that Frank Gore uh, is old enough to be our dads. Uh, but look, it's, it's Jamal Charles that we're comparing him to. So I'm going to say shit no here just because Jamal Charles is one of the greatest running backs of all time and most efficient running back of all time. Colin Kaepernick, according to Mike Dempsey, Jaguars aren't owner. 
Khan, Hid Khan, said that he would absolutely be okay with signing free agent Colin Kaepernick if Executive Vice President Tom Coughlin advised it. Yeah, that's that to me. That's a no shit. I mean, if Cap if Cap uh, signs with Jacksonville, he's instantly by far the best quarterback on that team. It would make the running game so much better too. Absolutely, it can happen, Tom. Jesus, Robbie Anderson, ESPN Jets reporter Rich Kamini, singled out Robbie Anderson as a standout player at training camp. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like it, it must it must be nice to be on the New York Jets because you get to be you you if if you breathe, you're a standout player. Uh, but look, I, I don't think Anderson is really that bad of a player. He has strong measurables, um, and he's pretty much the de facto top target in that offense. So I, I think that there's there's definitely something to say about about this, despite the fact that. He's comparing him to literally nothing. Andrew Luck, appearing on Mike Clay's Sirius XM fantasy show, ESPN Colts reporter Mike Wells said that the odds are against Andrew Luck playing in week one against the Rams. I'm saying no shit to that, too. I mean, it's a huge reason that I've completely avoided T.Y. Hilton in redraft leagues this year. I, I just don't see why you could take a guy like Hilton, given the Andrew Luck situation, over that Baldwin, Dez, and Cooper tier. Tariq Cohen. The Chicago Tribune's Brad Briggs gives fourth-round running back Tariq Cohen a real shot to have the second-most carries on the Bears. I'll say no shit to this, but I do want to say that I'm very, I'm, I'm not very into Tariq Cohen from a standalone value standpoint, um, just because Jordan Howard's there. I think, if anything, the way we should view the Chicago Bears backfield is that Cohen's going to take away more from Jordan Howard's upside because we know that Jordan Howard might not score as many touchdowns in general, just given the offense that he's in. But if he's not on the field for passing downs, because Tariq Cohen has shown a lot from that perspective, that's really going to limit his upside. So I think it's this is more of a, a situation where it should make you feel feel a little bit more pessimistic about Jordan Howard than feeling optimistic about Tariq Cohen. Blake Bortles. Jaguars coach Doug Marone announced that Blake Bortles will be his week one starter. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I that's 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 good and all, but it's also Blake Bortles and we we know that uh that this offense look, Doug Marone wants to run the football. He said that if he could, he could he would run the football in every single play. That's why uh one of one of the reasons why I'm not necessarily bought into Blake Bortles and uh, in, in A-Rob reconnecting this season as they did in 2015 with those D-gaff balls that, that Bortles would throw late in games just because we know that they don't want to throw the they, they don't want to be that pass friendly of a team so you know I, I'm not I'm just not into this this offense whatsoever and this is just another decision to, to make me feel that way. Jeremy McNichols according to ESPN coach Dirk Cutter indicated that fifth round running back Jeremy McNichols is a long shot for the Bucks final 53. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement of that. Uh, I, I this is going to sound lame, but if you watch Hard Knocks, even you can see that that this is this is going down and that he's had struggles learning the playbook. Um, I I you know the the backfield in general is filled with guys uh, that are capable. Jaquiz Rogers was really really strong last season. We already talked about Charles Sims being a good passing down back. And Doug Martin, obviously, coming back, he looks a little bit refreshed, like the Doug Martin of old. You don't need to carry that many running backs. It wouldn't shock me at all if Jeremy McNichols ends up getting cut. Jarvis Landry, according to the ringer's Mike Lombardi, the Dolphins are seriously listening to any trade offers involving Jarvis Landry. And I think that they should. So I'm, I'm going to say no shit to this as well. Uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously we've seen the, the Devontae Parker uh, rapport with, uh, with Jay Cutler. Obviously, Parker profiles like that Alshon Jeffrey type that Jay Cutler is used to seeing. Um, it's an offense now that is running the football and wants to be run first. Uh, after JHI's breakout last season, they were the third most run heavy team in all of football. They ran the, the fewest plays in all of football last season. Um, and that does not play into Jarvis Landry and his game. He needs that volume. 
volume um, t- to be really effective, uh, both on the field and in fantasy football. So it makes a lot of sense, in my opinion, for them to move him and, and see if they can get something for him, especially given his contract situation. Terrell Watson, ESPN Steelers reporter Jeremy Fowler said Terrell Watson is, quote, becoming a difficult cut. Yeah, I'm going to say no shit to that as well. I mean, I think that the situation in Pittsburgh, a lot of people are automatically assuming that James Conner is the uh, de facto easy handcuff uh, in that backfield. And while I do think that he would be the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell, uh, I don't think that we would see D'Angelo Williams type type workload uh, for Conner because of reasons like Watson. JJ, would you say that uh, Conner and Watson would have a real fight on their hands for uh, for touches if Bell got hurt? I think, I mean, I think Connor would still be the guy, but, uh, I, I don't think, you know, I think that, uh, like, you know, we look at, at, uh, what happened with D'Angelo Williams and the market share that he saw and how Todd Haley handled that situation. I, I don't think that we should feel that optimistic. I mean, D'Angelo Williams was, was a good running back throughout his career, a very, very good one. Uh, and he worked really well in the offense in Pittsburgh. I, I just don't think that, the Steelers would would we or we should automatically assume that the Steelers would throw the and throw that kind of market share to a rookie running back who hasn't showed a ton so far in the preseason. And quickly to mention, he's been playing behind Fitzgerald Toussaint. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, I got to tell you something, guys. Uh, there was another big fight this weekend. You know, if we're getting away from the Steelers' backfield, you guys know obviously Mayweather. Conor McGregor, huge fight. I don't know about you guys, but I made my bets for Floyd Mayweather on mybookie.ag. There is no site. There is no site for sports betting that I trust more than mybookie. Mybookie has in-game live betting. It has the most rewarding player perks in the business. And listen, the biggest thing for me, the mobile capabilities on most sports books are awful. I can't tell you how many how many wagers that I've missed out on due to slow loading speeds and an impossible to figure out site layout. My bookie's all new mobile site allows me to easily make wagers while out with friends and from the comfort of my own couch while watching the games. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Just use the promo code ROTOREPORT. That's ROTO as in ROTOVIZ, the word report, no spaces. To activate this special offer, visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid, mybookie.ag. Last couple news items tonight, guys. First one, Odell Beckham took a bad shot to the leg in Monday's preseason game. Feels like it was about six injuries ago. Uh, resulted, thankfully, in a sprained ankle only. The injury at the time looked, honestly, a lot worse. But a source has told ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Rannon that it is not out of the question that OBJ could miss a week or two of the regular season uh, JJ, this is prime draft season right now. Is Odell being bumped down your draft board at all? You know, I, I think you have to look at, at it from the perspective of who would jump OBJ in rankings. You're looking at AJ Green, Mike Evans, maybe Jordy, right? And I think that there are red flags for each of those players as well. AJ Green, that offensive line in Cincinnati might be an issue. We know that he likes to get down the field. Uh, he's had 10 plus air yards per reception each year of his career, aside from one. Uh, Mike Evans, we have volume concerns, not only just because DJX is there, but because last season when the, when the Buccaneers started to see positive game scripts, Mike Evans really, really fell, uh, from a targets per game perspective. Jordy Nelson, obviously with the emergence of Devontae Adams and age. So basically what I'm getting at is a game or two for OBJ, I think is okay to still take him. Uh, it, the, the one thing I will say though, is that if you were battling between Julio and OBJ, I think this is an easy way to put Julio above OBJ in your rankings. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm not all that much worried. Just I think it's just kind of a tiebreaker type of thing between him and I might move him behind the likes of like an AJ Green, maybe a mm-hmm. one spot behind an AJ Green. But I I wouldn't be all that worried. He's still the, the centerpiece of this offense. Um, they're going to need him to do a lot of work because that running game from what I've seen in the preseason has just been absolute garbage. So it's going to be all over OBJ and possibly one of you know Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, if he still has a little bit left, um, and Eli Manning to really support this offense. I mean, I, that's my receiver, right? I mean, I love Odell. I'm glad that he wasn't out for the season because I feel like that would have really ended the Giants' season. But, yeah, I mean, you can't take you can't take him over Julio right now. I think J.J. made the best points you could. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to move Odell too far down, even if he misses, let's say he misses the Dallas game. I mean, you're still going to get a top three receiver the rest of the season. And, and maybe you almost prefer that he that he sits out and gets fully healthy so that he is, you know, I, I feel like some of these ankle injuries or lower body injuries, they happen and then guys are playing on them and then all season they're they're producing less, you know, like some, you know, maybe 90, 90% of what they would normally produce instead of 100%. So you'd rather just get the 100% for 15 weeks. You know, just to quickly mention, this could open the door for your, your boy, Anthony, Roger Lewis. Maybe like a game or two oh. in DFS. Oh, don't don't tease me. Don't tease me with these things, Heath. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last news item of the day. Cam Meredith suffered is what is believed to be at this time a torn ACL in Sunday's preseason game. JJ, assuming he is out for the year, um, who does this help the most? And are you really drafting any Bears outside of maybe Jordan Howard at this point? I, I'm honestly off of Jordan Howard, too. I haven't drafted him in a single redraft league all, all season. Um, I, I just don't know how you can you can feel good about investing in this offense. The offensive line is fine. There's no problems there. Uh, but obviously, you have Mike Lennon or Trubisky, whoever ends up starting the majority of the season. I don't think either of them are, are, are quarterbacks that you would necessarily want to target from an offensive standpoint. Um, and then, you know, you have the, the, the corpse of Kevin White. Uh, Kevin White is, is dancing around there like a dad, uh, on a football field. He's just not looking very strong. Uh, he's got issues between the ears. I, I don't know how you can get excited about that. I did see that, uh, uh Nate Yonke from PFF tweeted that, uh, the Bears first half wide receiver snaps after the Cam Meredith injury. Kevin White had 18 and Deontay Thompson had 18. Uh, Kendall Wright actually had 12. I think automatically my mind went more towards Kendall Wright. Um, being, you know, he'll probably play a good, good amount of slot, uh, there in, in Chicago. Um, maybe they'll throw him out on the outside a little bit just because, uh, they don't have anything else to throw out there. Um, but, you know, keep an eye out for Deontay Thompson, I guess, but I, I don't know how you could really feel confident in any of these pass catchers on this team. And I think that this is just another reason that you avoid Jordan Howard, to be honest, just because you know that the offense isn't going to be as efficient anymore without Cam Meredith, who is really, really looking like he could become somewhat of a stud. Yeah, I haven't been drafting a ton of Jordan Howard. I did get him on a couple early teams before his ADP was like end of the first round, top of the second. I guess if he drops towards like that 2-3 turn again, maybe I'd end up with a couple. But yeah, I'm, I'm really not drafting many of these Bears. I think that Wright is the most interesting just from the standpoint that you're probably not going to have to pay a tremendous price. I would say you probably never have to pay a price inside the top 15 rounds for him. And one interesting nugget that I did see today on Twitter was that uh, current Bears OC, Dewell Logans, was the OC in Tennessee when he was there. So a little bit of familiarity there. Maybe that helps just to get right on the field. But again, I don't really know what we can expect from the quarterback play. I do think that Trubisky is probably better than Clennon, but a rookie quarterback, you know, is going to rookie quarterback. So 
ultimately, I'm probably just staying away. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you guys as well. In, in terms of draft drafting, I'm not going to be drafting any of these guys in particular. As I, I think it's kind of a completely up in the air as who is going to ascend to maybe take the majority of the targets. Um, however, I will kind of note that maybe in the first couple of weeks, it'll be one of those teams that we're looking at on the waiver wire as like those wide receiver three flex types that could possibly just see a lot of volume and almost kind of like um, Robbie Anderson of old, uh, uh, the end of last season, guys that maybe are not all that good, you know, great at talents. Um, the offense isn't all that great, but you know, volume is volume. Volume is king in, in fantasy football. And if there's a guy that kind of emerges from this group who happens to be out on the waiver wire, um, that, you know, Mike Glennon likes to, you know, likes to throw to, uh, quite a bit. Why not just pick him up and just kind of see what happens? It's, just don't really kind of, I wouldn't really put any draft capital into anyone in particular because if Deontay Thompson is somehow seeing, uh, you know, first team snaps in a third preseason game, it, I don't think they really know either. Yeah, I mean, that's the waiver wire, which you mentioned, that's kind of how we found Cam Merritt to begin with, right? Like, we were just, all right, I guess yeah. they're throwing mm-hmm. to this guy. Like, we might as well pick him up. And then he ends up being a pretty good player. I, I think that, I know it's a little early. We're still a couple weeks out. But in terms of DFS, Kevin White is only 4,200 on DraftKings in week one. Oh, and they're seven-point dogs to the Falcons. <laughs> so you kind of expect a lot of passing there. It's early, guys, but I mean, are we giving any thought maybe to Kevin White at a low price? Don't do it. <laughs> don't, 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 don't burn your money. Don't burn your money. <laughs> well, yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of other better options. There hasn't been a ton of injuries just yet, so I, th- I think Kevin White is just kind of a, he's just a guy, a complete stay away from me at this point. That's all very fair, guys. Uh, you know, hopefully you're not burning your money with a podcast. We definitely appreciate you guys listening as always. That's going to do it for the show. Special thanks to our guest, JJ Zacharyson. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at LateRoundQB and definitely check out the Late Round Pod. Please remember to rate and review the Rotary's Radio channel on iTunes. For Heath Kruger, I'm Anthony Amico. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed, and be sure to contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio, and remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! 
Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.